This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach. And today on the show, I am excited to have you help me welcome Nicole Holcomb to the show, who is talking to us about how important it is to trust our motherly instincts and intuition. And because we just came off of Mother's Day, I thought this is a great time to share Nicole's message. Um, Nicole shares her story about how she knew something was off with her kiddo and um, really took the extra steps and measure to kind of follow the breadcrumbs, so to speak, and then later to find out that her daughter had dyslexia. Now, she's gone on to build so many great resources and have so many wonderful conversations around how to support families who have kids with dyslexia. And um, I just think she's amazing and she's a And I wanted to bring um, this conversation to you guys today just to help encourage you to always remember that if you feel like something is off with your kids, then don't even second guess going and getting that opinion or that second opinion or that third opinion. Um, Here at Fresh Start Family, of course, we're always going to encourage you to get started on the parenting side of things, especially if there's behavioral stuff going on with your kids. Always get yourself into a program, uh, parenting program, get yourself a parenting mentor. Of of course, we hope that that is us here at Fresh Start Family, but you know, just find somebody, find a program to get into. It doesn't matter if it's not our programs, Um, but it's very important anytime you have behavioral real stuff going on in your home with your kids that you really start with parenting. And then as you're learning and as you're growing and as you're changing some of the things that you're doing, if you're also seeing, hey, we're having some success, we're seeing some changes, um, some positive momentum, but our child still continues to struggle or our child still is having, you know, situations or is getting in trouble at school or falling behind with their academics or social skills, whatever it may be, you just want to trust your intuition um, that something more could be going on than just normal kind of behavioral development uh, with your child. So within our uh, Bonfire private support community, we've actually had a few parents just in the last two months that trusted their mom intuition and kept pursuing kind of evaluations of their child because their children continued to have some emotional outburst and some behavioral issues at school and within the home, all the things. But, you know, they've been incredibly dedicated parents in my program, but then they just knew that they thought something else was going on. So both both of them uh, went and took all the steps they needed to, and sure enough, both of their children got diagnosed with dys- dyslexia, and now at least they have the knowledge and the you know the diagnosis to help them move forward and get the the right mentors and the right support system for their child. So 
their child can now start their path to healing and succeeding. But even if it's not dyslexia that you are pursuing some second opinion, some third opinions about just to see if there's something more going on with your child, I think it's just so incredibly important to listen to your own heart and your own intuition. So that is what we are talking about in today's episode. And honestly, guys, this doesn't even have to be with medical diagnoses. This can be with just you know, the way your child is more quiet than usual. And, you know, you have a sense that something is going on that they're not necessarily that maybe they don't feel comfortable talking to you about or sharing with you yet. Sometimes our intuition just tells us that our child is struggling or suffering, even though they're not saying that to us. We just... I believe our motherly intuition is like a superpower. (laughs) So the more we can tap into it, the more we just can feel empowered and confident as parents. Nicole is incredibly inspirational on this front, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you go find Nicole, go give her some love, support what she's doing. She has her very own podcast, um, and she's just amazing. So thanks so much for listening, families, and without further ado, enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be sitting here this morning with Nicole Holcomb, who is going to be speaking with us about trusting our mom intuition. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, Wendy. So excited to be here today. Yes. And can I just say that your Georgian accent just gives me comfort. I feel like (laughs) I'm like, my dad is from North Carolina and he has a similar beautiful Southern draw. And it's just, it's just a beautiful, like comforting, I think, sweet accent. You're from Georgia, right? Right. Thank you. That's so sweet. I always am so envious every time I see y'all on the beach. So, (laughs) so I'm like, oh, that looks nice. (laughs) Yes. But I think they make fun of Californians accents. You know, oh. so I don't think we have the same like okay. cool accents. <laughs> we're, we're, we, we are known to, I don't know, I've, I've heard people make fun of us. It's hilarious. But all right, listeners, back to what we're talking about today, trusting your mom intuition. And the reason why I thought it would be wonderful to have Nicole speak to us about this today is because her story and her journey is really beautiful as she has been raising um, her little girl who now is in the fourth grade, nine years old. And so Nicole has spent much of her professional life as an educator, a school counselor, a school district um, administrator, and an attorney. However, none of that prepared her and her educator husband for a daughter with dyslexia. So she has spent the last three years learning all about the amazing world of dyslexia. And she's met so many moms along the way. And now she has a beautiful side hustle and a podcast and a mission to really serve moms who are raising kids with dyslexia and helping them thrive. So I love your heart. You are out there busting your butt, Nicole, working a (laughs) full-time job as an attorney right now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh. And then you're coming home parenting and just pouring your heart out to serve other parents. And I love that about you. Thank you. I know it's not, it's not easy, right? Like, and I just know that when you have a heart to serve and you have learned so much through your own journey and it's just such a, um, it's so great if you can find that outlet to be able to then help others because we do, we learn through each other's journey, right? And so you have, you have learned so much about how to trust your own intuition over the years. And so um, start us off with just a little bit about your journey. Um, you know, how did things unfold with your daughter and what were some elements along the way that caused you to say, okay, something's not right here or my my heart or my mind um, is telling me um, there might be something more going on here than just the standard, she's pushing back on homework, she's throwing a fit, whatever it may be. Just tell us a little bit more about your story. Sure, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. You know, it's, you know, looking back now, you, you see a lot of things that in the midst of it, you don't always trust yourself or what you know. And we, she's an only child. So for us, all this was new, right? But yeah. we had, like you said, been educators, which is kind of ironic because for 20, last 20 years, I've been in education and from, you know, many different avenues, like we talked about a few minutes ago, but when it's your own child, it is so different, right? And so yes. even, even early on, you know, preschool, even before preschool, there were, were things now I realize were signs, but although we had all this experience as educators, not only from our training, but also from the work we were doing, I still didn't know that one in five children are dyslexic. I still didn't know dyslexia was hereditary or is hereditary. I didn't know that you could remediate dyslexia, not necessarily cure it. And the thing that was really fascinating along the journey later was that I didn't realize that there's these high level thinking strengths that children and adults have with dyslexia. At the same time, she's not able to retrieve the spoken word easily. And so I didn't know any of that until she was identified and we began this journey and I began to start getting some clarity but at the very beginning in preschool age, I guess, two, well, even earlier, I guess around two, we were seeing that she was struggling to pronounce words. Like she would say a word and we would be like, what? And it would get to the point that I go, uh-huh. And then she'd be like, you could tell she asked you a question and that uh-huh didn't work anymore. And she would become frustrated with us. And we would become frustrated because we couldn't understand her and we very much wanted to understand her. So early on for us, we identified it as more of a speech concern. So we were able to get her in speech and it was more what we thought was an articulation concern. Like she's not able to articulate those sounds. I mean, dyslexia was nowhere on my radar at that point. I, I, we had a friend in college with dyslexia, but I mean, it wasn't it, kind of embarrassing to say we're educators, but it wasn't on my radar. So yeah. which parents that are going through this journey know that it's just not on many people's radar unless you know it's in your family. So anyway, so that goes along for several years. She's still currently in speech all these years later, working on different skills. But as we got into pre-K and kindergarten, just took her longer to do things. Uh, the teachers would say, you know, she just had a hard time staying, um, staying up with her classmates, getting things done. And then as we went into kindergarten, you know, now it's very different than when we were in kindergarten. Now, it's you're going to read in kindergarten, you're going to learn sight words in kindergarten, you're going to learn so much more than learning through play like it used to be. And yeah. she just, 
you know, I mean, just couldn't, she could identify the letters. Like she knew that, you know, the, you, this is B and this is D or whatever, this is E. But when you start talking about the sounds, she couldn't put the sounds with the letters. Um, and then as we started to learn sight words, we would, we would get a, you know, a set of sight words and we would work on them in kindergarten, first grade. And I mean, we would work all week. And then on Thursday night, we go back over our couple of words and she didn't know any of them. And we would, I would just sit in the floor and cry with her. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> and then she would be cute, right? It'd be cute. And she'd be funny, like trying to distract you. Now I know that was just her coping, right? But then I was like, I don't get it. That the word is the, why are we saying tree? Or I mean, like it would just be right. something completely, not even the same letters or anything. So that wouldn't be a good example, but it'd be like the, and maybe she said was, right? Like it, it just right. didn't associate. So, you know, we can't continued with speech. We had her in a private, a small private school because of the speech. We just wanted smaller class sizes. And then as we went into first grade, I think really when I started connecting it, when the first time I really started listening to the voice in me, the intuition, the mom gut, whatever you want to call it, was in first grade. And she loves math, has always loved math. Doesn't get that from me, but she loves math. (laughs) (laughs) But um, she brought home a math worksheet. It was like August. It was early on. And it had columns on it. So Monday column, Tuesday column. But we had the whole week in front of us. And it was really simple things, right? Like two plus zero is what? One plus two is what? Three plus whatever. And so she's rocking and rolling. She's writing all the answers down. They're all right. You know, right? Like she, she was getting the concepts right. But what we had started seeing in kindergarten and first grade was she was writing letters backwards and numbers backwards. And that's what most people think about when they think about dyslexia, although it's bigger than that. So I thought, well, that's strange. Like, I I can see if she doesn't know it from her her memorization. But when five plus zero, the five is then written backwards on the page and the five is there. It's modeled on the page for her. I was like, hmm, that didn't seem right. We already had a tutor. And so I sent a message to her. She worked at the school. She was our reading specialist. And I said, hey, um, is is this still developmental? Like, what are we dealing with? She's like, yeah, there there continues to be, they're starting to be a concern now. Uh, And she had always said, you know, with articulation problem, it was hard to get to the dyslexia piece. So that's when it's great I, when they use that language, though, that yeah. like the tone, Clip. you're like, do, do we have to be so serious? Like, but yeah, there's a concern, you know, I yeah. feel like it'd be so much greater, better if there was like a lightness about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, as parents, you're like the word there's a, we're starting concern. to be concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and like, even oh, in gosh. kindergarten, I said, you know, we're not learning sight words when we were going through the sight word problem in kindergarten. And it just we just weren't she just wasn't getting it. And it was like, well, we just kind of see it in, in the first semester. We just kind of see if that catches on quickly and, and it may take a while. And, and by the spring, it should, you know, light should come on. Well, it didn't come on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So in, in first grade, I was like this. I don't know. I just finally listened to myself and I thought, you know what? I'm an educated person. I know my child. I know something is not right. Her vocabulary was amazing. I mean, she would say things and we'd be like, where did you, what? Like, that's not something the first grader should be saying. Like her creativity was just off the charts. I mean, just the way she thinks is amazing, but there was this disconnect and she could feel it, right? Like you could see she could feel it. So I was just like, you know what? We're, we're going to get tested. And worst case scenario is best case scenario, which is they say, you know what, mom, it's fine. She's fine. Uh, but I needed to know, right? Like at that point I needed to know. And then, you know, as moms do, we look back and think, oh, we missed that sign. We missed this sign. You know, all these warning signs 
that I didn't necessarily know at the time were classic dyslexic, you know, characteristics. I just, I didn't know. So, you know, at that point yeah. we, we had her tested the public school. That's where I worked at the time. And so we just got a specific learning disability. They didn't call it dyslexia. It's not till later that I get someone local to kind of unpack the evaluation with me. And, um, and we realized that she's dyslexic. And so they put some things in place at her school, but they still weren't able to really get to the amount of remediation that she need and would need. And so we were doing one day a week after school. And so we started seeing in the spring, mommy, I don't feel well. She loved school. Mm, She loved her teacher. Teacher was amazing, but she was having just the somatic stuff. She just didn't feel well. She had a headache. She had a stomach ache. And so I reached out to someone on the North side of Atlanta and I'm like, Hey, I don't you know. Will you look at this with me? And she's like, I can already tell you one day a week is not going to cut it. One day a week is not even starting to peel it apart for her to be able to, cause they have to be able to pull the letters and, and sounds apart and put them back together. I mean, there's a whole process of what they have to learn through remediation. And she's like one day a week's not enough. And she was already going to speech anyway. And so I was like, I just can't imagine in first grade loading on three and four afternoons of 45 minutes, hour and a half of reading and then doing speech. And long story short, we decided to go a different route. So we actually have her currently we that we after that year, second, third and fourth. Now she's been in an immersion school. And so 100 percent of the students are dyslexic. Every teacher in the building is trained to remediate. So even in language arts or social studies or science, they're using multisensory approaches they're, cool. you know, everybody is trained. Everybody has their own individual reading groups with small groups of students. They meet with them daily. We have very structured homework that we do to reinforce the reading. And, um, you know, it's not perfect. Like, it's it's going to be a struggle, but it is day and night. And you can see that she feels better about herself and that we are starting to make some, you know, COVID hasn't been helpful because <laughs> oh. that's disrupted the learning. But, um, you know, her school continues to, to hang in there with, you know, fidelity and make sure that she gets, you know, what they can do right now. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. 
I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting road. You know, there's there's been times when I just I had to go with, you know, what I thought was best. And there's just like you were saying earlier, there's just things that people say like it's developmental or it'll just click or, you know, just wait a little bit longer, mom. And, you know, you know your child best. And if you just have a feeling, yeah, it may be some money you have to shell out to, to figure things out. You know, if I had to do it again, I probably would go private because then I could have got a larger picture because we had to go back and get some other assessments done for the articulation. And we were able to broaden some other things like dysgraphia, the handwriting. She has that as well. They didn't identify that in the first one. And so there's just some pieces that we had to, again, kind of just go with, you know, when things, mm, something's still not right, we had to look and dig deeper and see, you know, did she need other services and, and kind of go that way. And, and I'll tell you, you know, the minute, not the minute, but the, the kind of aha moment that I knew we'd made the right decision was in the spring of first grade, we had a mother's day at the school. I never will forget we were, you know, they always have cute little things and presents and everything, you know, they make things for you. And I just remember, you know, I had thought what a gift we had given her to be in a classroom with, I think there was like 10 kids. I was like, that's, you know, just, she's going to get so much one-on-one. And as I looked around, I realized through her eyes what she was seeing. And it was her classmates with these amazing writing skills, kids that were already reading chapter books. And I remember she had written something. I don't, no, she still, she didn't know what she wrote, but she wrote something to me, like a letter or, you know, something about mom. And I looked around at the table at everybody else's and I looked at hers and I can read it. Wendy, I had no yeah. idea what she wrote. And I said, you know, I said my daughter's name. I said, Hey, you know, what, what, can you tell mom what you wrote here? She didn't know. She can't remember. And she can read her own yeah. handwriting. And I had to hold back the tears. I just was like, wow. I thought, and I do still think it was probably the best. If we'd been in a public school with 35 kids, we might not still know. But I just, for her, later on, she tells me things like, you know, my best friends were reading chapter books and she was noticing things. And no, it, it was like, okay, this, we're doing the right thing. This is why she's sick and doesn't want to come to school because she just, yeah, it, it's just too much. And so that was the moment that I realized we were having to move 60 miles away from our home. We sold a house. We changed jobs. The first year I commuted three hours a day. We did a lot of stuff to make this happen. But at that wow. moment, at that moment, I'm like, this is what we have to do. And so, oh my gosh, that's what we did. <laughs> that is incredible. And gosh, that's that statistic. One in five. Wow. 
That's, that is, and it's you know so what, interesting, Wendy, right? I have an undergrad in elementary education. Like I went through reading, you know, I don't know, this cohorts and things in college. Now, yes, that was a minute ago, but you know, and my husband has a master's in special ed and I'm like, how do we not, how do, you know, and, and you find that as you get into this community, the community is amazing. People are amazing, but you find that you know, they're just not, students are just not identified. They end up being students that may end up having behavior problems or acting out or whatnot because they can't read. And and as you go from third grade to fourth grade and you go from learning to read to reading to learn, if you can't read, you can't do science. If you can't read, you can't complete social studies. If you can't read, how are you going to do the complex math problems? You know, they're just, it's everywhere. And I try to say, I try to tell people, you know, just imagine if you went to work every day and you had to learn again how to check your email or you had to like just something that's even simple for you or maybe every day you went in you're like I don't remember anything about what my boss wants today and you had to relearn that every single day no yeah. wonder they're exhausted and they're frustrated <laughs> yes so. well gosh that's so eye opening right and and I love as you tell your story Nicole I hear such a openness to seek to understand and look below what was maybe the behaviors that were being exhibited. And that's kind of the, the, the basic mindset we have in positive parenting is that there are reasons why our children have problems. Like kids aren't just trying to be a pain in the butt or, you know, not doing well with reading because they're just not giving it their all, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's usually a reason that is causing them to be challenged by it. And so I can just hear how this, along this whole journey, you were really willing to say, um, let me just keep getting creative here and having eyes to see what could be going on. And even though that wasn't always necessarily what was going through your mind in the early days, (laughs) I know that it was in your heart. Um, Yeah, we had um, one of our foundations course students on who talked to us about um, OCD. Mm -hmm. And her little girl was diagnosed with that probably in, I think, second or third grade. And that statistic, I think, was around one in eight. Like, and, you know, it turns into a lot of generalized anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. and it's just staggering when you hear these and we're, and we're not really educated about it, right? Like it's not even for really um, well-educated educators. It's just, um, so I'm so happy that you're here to, to spread your wisdom today and and help parents remember that um, there's, there's always a, like, it's always a good idea to just keep seeking to understand, asking questions being willing to sit with your kid and say, hey, let's look at what's going on here. And then there's another thing that you said, Nicole, that I loved was um, this idea that these kiddos have high level thinking strengths, right? Like I feel like this day and age, you know, we've gotten so used to the term disorder or things like that. But in my experience, what I've learned from some of the guests we've had on or from some of my friends who have kids with um, disabilities is there's there's always strengths. There's usually strengths. And it's so beautiful. Um, that that sentence right there is just so cool. And I can just see that you've you've really um have have raised her to to make sure she understands that this is she's gonna have challenges and you're gonna go out of your way to support her. And there are high-level strengths that come along with um, you know, what she lives with. And you're going to make sure that that she understands that and that she's supported in that. So that's beautiful. So talk to us about um, this idea that, you know, if you have a struggling reader, that 
they can learn to read with help, right? So I think back to, and this is not, you know, this is, I'm sure a lot of listeners now, if they have kids around preschool, kindergarten, um, first grade, they might be like, oh my goodness, do, do I need to be concerned? Because um, there might be a few similarities, right? So it's, right. it's important. I think we know that it's, there are some aspects of your story that I think are common with some kids, right? Like, so Stella had backwards letters. Um, you know, she had a, she had a struggle in kindergarten. They, I remember they set us down and they're like, we are concerned. She's at the 68%. Um, and, but again, our intuition at the time was that, and it was, this is the key piece that I think is important here. My intuition wasn't telling me there was something more at hand. My intuition was telling me because I had watched the Race to Nowhere documentary, which was so magnificent. I recommend it to every family on the planet. It's like a requirement for people who are in my <laughs> programs. But my intuition told me that there was nothing wrong, that we needed to chill on this kid and let her be a kindergartner. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what the Race to Nowhere kind of, it. there's so much testing and, and statistics involved that it kind of, it, it messes with a lot of kids. And if Stella's the type of kid that if she feels pressure, she will push back. And then right. she got all stressed out. And the more she got stressed out, the worse she did with reading. So we had to really make a stand and say, okay, thank you for your concerns. And we're feeling good. We're going to make sure she's in trees. She is, um, you know, having enough rest every night. We're, we're not going to have tears over homework. We're not going to fight. Mm-hmm. If we get it done, cool. If we can, if we can memorize the sight words, great. But if not, please know that we 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 want to prioritize. We think, you know, we want to prioritize her just being a kid right now, and we're confident that it's going to come. Sure enough, in first grade, um, everything clicked, and she became like a star reader, and and now she's completely fine now, right? But the the point of me telling that story is there there can be similar aspects, right? With, with struggles when your kid goes through things. But I think what Nicole is bringing to the table is that you could tell there was something deeper in your gut, in your heart, and you, you couldn't put your finger on it, but you kept seeing it over and over again. And then of course, once it got bigger and bigger is when you decided to really get the professional help. Um, So I think that's important, right? Like it's not always going to be like, okay, we're, we're dealing with dyslexia here. And it could be, right? You just got to listen to yourself. So if your kid is struggling with reading and with all that said that I just noted, talk to us about this, this like hopefulness, like it'll be, they're okay. They'll be okay. They just need the right support. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there are pieces that because I do have a degree in elementary ed, I did know there were some pieces that were definitely could be considered developmental. So there were pieces that we continue to monitor even early on. Um, but but as we think about that as well, I think one of the things I would say, you know, to, to anyone that's listening is really being mindful of what is happening in the classroom as it relates to, for example, this this is still a little controversial, but it's its own point if your child is dyslexic. If you're in a program at school where the reading is taught whole language, it is difficult for dyslexics to learn that way. If you are in a program where they use uh, phonics and phonetic aware- awareness, dyslexics respond best to that and best to multisensory. So they're, you know, they're moving yeah. and they're doing things and it helps their brain to to kind of to, to kind of get a jump start there. But if you know just memorization. It's interesting because I, I interviewed a lady who's a professor at MIT and she's dyslexic and she said she learned to read 
I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but it was like middle school, right? But she learned to read because she memorized the shapes of every word. That's how she learned to read. And I'm like, wow, your brain is amazing. But (laughs) I guess my first thing would be is if your child is struggling to read, maybe asking a couple of questions as far as what is the reading program. Because if you're in a program where phonics, you know, because just think about even the way you learn to read, you know, did you memorize words or do you know, because you're able to sound out, you know, B says, buh. You know, and if you're not able to do that for dyslexics, I mean, they say that the way that you can you can um, remediate a dyslexic through learning those rules of uh, a lot of people use Orton Gillingham or Wilson, one of those programs is that they do teach you the rules about the long E's and they teach all these like phonetic rules. And so the kids are able to make sense out of that and they're able to remember those and every child can benefit from that every child that's learning to read, but for children that are learning to read through more of a whole language approach, it, it, it the, the science behind that says it's very difficult for them. So one thing would be just to know what type of reading program your child's being exposed to. And I love what you said, because I do believe as well that we learn so much through play and having fun. And that's yeah. another piece of what I talked to my audience about too. And my mom's is that relationships are such a key because if you can grow that relationship with your child, that's the most important thing. Did we get the math homework done? Maybe we'll try, but if we're going to have a complete meltdown, it is not worth it. And so as you continue to build that relationship, then you know, when things are just, they're just not working. Like there's just something more. The other piece of that is not only the the aspect of what's happening in the classroom and how is it kind of being approached, but also like, what do you do at home? Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of different people say that they've even been accused of, uh, oh, you must not have read to your child. Well, yeah, they read to their child. Reading to your child has nothing to do with them being dyslexic. However, um, it is important for vocabulary. So I think this is interesting. So one of the, the books that a lot of people talk about is Overcoming Dyslexia. And she talks about the science behind that. She's actually, she runs the Yale Dyslexia Center. But this is interesting. I want to share this with you. So if you read, this is reading at home. If you read less than a minute a day, in a year, your child would have been exposed to 8,000 words. If your child reads 4.6 minutes a day, then they'll be exposed to 282,000 words. But you're going to love this because if you've if you've heard this before, a lot of times elementary teachers say, you know, you should read about 20 minutes at night with your child. When you read 20 minutes a day with your child, it's 1.8 million words they're exposed to in a year. And so that exposure to culture and language and that's going to help them, too, because then they're able to not only when they're exposed to those words, they may be able to figure out the meaning of those words. And I try to make it fun at home. Like I'm just silly kind of person, but I just try to make it fun with her. I use inflection. I, you know, I might create a funny little voice for one little character. I try to kind of make it exciting and fun for her. And then letting her know that, you know, reading is just not boring off of a page. There's punctuation for a reason. Um, and then we might talk about the story. You know, what are, you know, what did, do you remember what Jane did? What did Jane do in the story? Which one did you like? Or, you know, kind of talking her through, you know, some of the ways I learned to read was by, okay, you see the picture that gives you a clue. It does, but it's not always the best way to really train your child to, to learn to read, but it does help with that interest. And then the other piece is that I had, I had to let this go as an educator and just as a mom is that, 
we have to find things that our kids enjoy reading. So if you have a struggling reader or you just have a child that's really not interested yet, um, then it could be the, that what we are as parents encouraging them to read or what the teacher's insisting that they read. And so when you're reading at home, you know, even when you're reading to your child or y'all are reading together on the couch, you know, finding some things that are of interest to them, to them you know, even here recently, uh, Hattie loves to create. And so she loves to create different um, different structures, but she loves to create in Minecraft. And we found some books that talk about like, what is redstone? Like just the elements oh. literally. And so she will just sit for hours and, and she doesn't understand all the words, but she looks through them. She asked me about the structures on the page. We talk about them. Um, but I just think about, you know, we, she doesn't read Harry Potter, but she loves Harry Potter. So there's been a time when we had an audio book where she would listen to the reader read Harry Potter to her. And she was able to really get immersed in that and, and visualize that. So I think sometimes we as moms get discouraged and we're like, okay, they don't want to read. We're just not going to push it. I get that. Be patient with them. But also it may be because of what we're choosing to read. It's okay to, to, to read out of a magazine or something that's smaller or something that's manageable. We started there, which was just kind of stepping back to say, okay, where can she have some success by herself reading? And then what can we immerse her in just so she has more uh, because her vocabulary has always been amazing. I'm always like, I don't even know where she heard that word from. So, um, you know, just having, I think that's interesting that the, that even just that 20 minutes a night reading with your child, it really opens up their world just to culture and vocabulary and really can help them with that exposure to language. And so, um, but do we do that every night? I'm gonna be honest. No, we try to, <laughs> But just like with everything else, it's a, it's, it's a continuum. I mean, no one's perfect here, but it's continuing to be a, a, a piece that we work towards. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of 
parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions. FreshStartFamilyOnline.com forward slash firm and kind. But I, but I'm thankful that I know the importance of it. I mean, I've always known reading with your child is important. But when I start thinking about she can be exposed to 1.8 million words a year as opposed to 8,000, I mean that's that's a big difference. Yes, that is a big difference, and and it's such a an important reminder to make it fun. Like you can yes. you forget that right, and especially right now during COVID, where you can't just go browse the library very easily, it can be so hard. Um, but to make sure we're prioritizing that those questions every week of like, hey, let's figure out a way to find some new books. Like let's figure out the actual library login system, which we all, all right. know can all like right. last night. Taryn went to login. Um, it was really late at night. He's been loving, he's in the fourth grade too, my little guy. And he was like, um, he likes to read these books, Dog Man. Dog oh, Man. yes, we have those. <laughs> yes. Oh, she, he loves them. And so he was like, mama, please let me log in. And I want to request some more from the library at school, but we hadn't done it on his iPad. And normally I'm like, no, not at night. We can't be on the iPad. And I'm such a stickler for it. But last night I was like, okay, okay. If it's anything reading, I'm always like, yes. Like if my kids are like, Mom, I want a toy at Target. I'm like, no. But if they're if they want a book, I'm like, okay, can I do this? Is it in my budget? Sure. Like I'm always more likely to say yes to a mm-hmm. book. But um, but he started to get frustrated about not being able to like remember the password and the login and all this yeah. stuff to get on. And I said, don't worry, we'll figure it out tomorrow. But it's just a, a great reminder to like take the time, take the 10 minutes, figure out the online library system browse through with your kid ever every week, ask questions, see what they're excited about, do some research, see if they're into horses right now. What can you find about horses or unicorns or Norwals, whatever it is? But yeah, that aspect of like making it fun is so important, right? And just knowing that um, there is the right support out there. You mm-hmm. just got to get creative. You got to mm-hmm. be able to ask for help and not be scared of getting the answer, right? I think I've been like playing around as a life coach. I've, I've always loved looking at the feeling of being scared, but lately, especially since the raid on Capitol Hill, um, that feeling of scared of afraid, um, I've been looking at a lot lately and it can be such a beautiful, healthy thing, because if you feel scared that there might be something more at hand, then don't run from it. Don't try to hide it. Don't think that you're living in fear. Just have the bravery and the courage to make the appointment, to go get some some answers, to get some tests. And I would add, maybe make a few appointments, which it sounds like you have, right? Make Mm -hmm. sure you're getting a bunch of different opinions because I think in my world as a parenting educator, especially with behavioral stuff, I encourage parents not to just go with one answer because sometimes I get a little scared of what kids get diagnosed with young, very young, as far as behavioral goes. I'm like, first come to a parenting class, then we can go get some. But again, what we're talking about today is like that intuition. If you kind of have that tinge of like, oh, I feel a little scared that this could be something that's not, you know, not the same, 
as the neighbor or whatever, then, okay, I'm going to have the bravery and courage. I'm not going to be scared of a term dyslexia. I'm not going to be scared of autism. I'm just going to go find out. And then we know what we're working with, um, which I think yeah, is And one of the things too, displayed. especially for, for moms that have kids in public schools, public schools still unfortunately don't like to say the word dyslexia and so if you call and say I think my child I don't know where how it is where you're at but here you know we're working on that but many states there's just not the awareness even from the educators so I would say if you call say I I think my child may be dyslexic it's you you want to listen to them say things like you know, there's, there's some concerns with phonetics. There's the phonetic, you know, phonemic awareness. Your child's not understanding the sounds. When you start hearing those keywords, you're, you're, there's some characteristics of dyslexia. So you have to be listening for those, but they're not going to necessarily test user. Those are usually private tests where they'll say they're dyslexic. There are a few here and there, but even with us at the beginning, it was dyslexia falls under the category of a specific learning disability. And so you have to be aware of that. So sometimes schools shy away from that and they don't like to talk about dyslexia. I don't know why, but they just, I think it's because we're just not as educated as we should be because it's nothing new. It's been around for a long time. Um, so I would say that, you know, as a, you know, if you're, if you do have some concerns as you're kind of peeling that back and looking at it to ask those questions, you know, be, be listening, you know, is there, are they having a hard time pulling the words apart and understanding, you know, what letter, you know, what the letter sounds, how they go together and how they make words. And sometimes kids will have trouble with rhyming words because they don't hear those rhyming words. And so, um, you know, there's a couple different pieces. Uh, Dr. Shaywitz, I talked about earlier, she has a book called Overcoming Dyslexia that anybody I've ever talked to recommends. It's a little science-based, like it's a little heavy on the science part. She talks a lot about the brain and how your brain works, which is really interesting. But yeah, me you know, too. I love that stuff. If, if you're not sure, it wouldn't hurt to pick up a book, you know, at your local library and thumb through it and learn more about dyslexia so you can have those conversations with your teachers about, because ultimately, no matter what it is, you're really wanting to peel back the layers to figure out, is there some underlying concerns? Is there some remediation? Is there some things we should be doing as, you know, as a family, like we did a lot of private tutoring, private speech. Is there things that the schools can be doing for interventions? Um but the big part is, is, is I heard someone speak uh, on another call one time and, and the person said, I just leave them at school. It's the school's problem. It's really not. It's your child. Mm-hmm. And that really yeah. hit a nerve with me because ultimately it is my responsibility as the mom to make sure she gets the best education. And at school, at a public school, they just have to have, you know, the free appropriate public education, just the adequacy of it. It's not the best education, but it is just the appropriate education. So if your child's struggling to read, you know, what does that look like? How is the school going to help? And so they don't, you know, they say things like, oh, we've never had a dyslexic here. Well, that's not right. So you just have to right. listen for things. But I think that that part is is important to do kind of your own research too, and either listen to podcast or, you know, pick up a book and thumb through it and get more information. So you're educated to ask the questions that you need to ask. And you're right. Sometimes, you know, you're on that other side of it where it's difficult, but then it all kind of clicks and your child continues to, to move forward. And maybe, maybe there's an other area that they have to work at for improvements because we all have those. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so I think it's just, I think it's just as a mom, just being aware and just being, uh, you know, listening and watching and, and, and being supportive during, you know, those academic years. Cause those are 
all those years are hard <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Nicole, you are such a blessing. And I am so grateful that you have come to share all that you've learned over the years with us. Um, you're juggling so much and we appreciate what you're doing and tell listeners where they can find you, tell them about your podcast. Um, and yeah. Tell us, tell us all, all the things. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, everything's under dyslexia mom life. I just struggled with a name and had actually used my daughter's name for a while in a, in a website I had in a, and a blog I was doing. And then I just finally decided, nope, it's all about mom. And that's who I want to talk to. So yes. So my, my website is dyslexiamomlife.com. That's what the podcasts are under. I have those that, you know, everywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find it. And uh, yeah, so it's all there. And I have also have a blog there and other resources. And so yeah, come on over and join us and learn a little bit more. Because even if your child's not dyslexic, it's one in five. So probably someone on your social media, a neighbor, a sister, someone is probably dealing with this and may not even know it. Uh, you may be more than likely even working with people that are dyslexic. And so it, it, as you learn more, then it also helps you to be able to, to, you know, just live in this world that we live in and know more about the people around us. And it's interesting because once you figure out it's hereditary as a parent, you start seeing things that you didn't know about yourself. So so, uh, brace yourself for that as well. But uh, Wendy, I appreciate you so and the work that you do. I've enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know your work and, and your community. And it's just amazing. So thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I look forward to continuing to, to keeping in touch with each other. Yes. And Nicole, I was just on your podcast. So yes. listeners, if you want to go check out, I don't know what episode number it is, but I was just on the Dyslexia Mom podcast talking about positive parenting. So that's a that fun great. Yes. bonus conversation you can go listen to if you find Nicole's podcast. And then like um, Nicole said, you guys, it's one in five. So I think um, part of just being a good, kind human is sharing this kind of stuff out. Even if you just screenshot, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you screenshot it and say, oh, this was enlightening. If you happen to have a kid that's struggling with reading, or if you ever kind of, you know, want to know how to trust your mom intuition more, go ahead and save this and tag us, right? I'm Fresh Start Wendy. What are you on Instagram, Nicole? Uh, Dyslexia Mom Life cool tag us and then you never know like um like nicole said you you know we have whether you have 200 followers or you have 100,000 um one in 5 kids are struggling with dyslexia or have this and many of them don't even know it right so imagine who you could help by just getting the awareness out so thanks for sharing listeners thanks for being here nicole and we will talk soon For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 127. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.
All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.